at a party? There's a nightcrawler who's created a new designer drug. The only problem is it's not a drug. It's vampire blood. He's breeding an undead army. The only thing that stands between him and the annihilation of the entire human race would be us, the Frog Brothers. We haven't been the Frog Brothers for a long time. I can't do it without you. They can do what they want whenever they want to do it. Well, you guys have to drink us, Jalopy. If I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna need weapons. Lots of really expensive, custom-made weapons. Let's rock and roll. Hey everyone and welcome back to the Pod and the Pendulum Podcast, your horror movie podcast covering every single horror movie franchise, one movie, one episode at a time. I'm your host, Mike Snoonian, and the crew is back tonight, three in a row. Is it three in a row? Four in a row. I can count. This is fantastic. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're all here. So joined by once again by my illustrious co-host, Jerry Smith. Jerry, how are we doing? I think that's the first time I've ever been called illustrious, and I'm feeling it. I'm doing great. Doing fantastic. I'm, I'm, thirsty. I'm thirsty for some DJX are you? and some vampire <laughs> blood. And uh, yeah, yeah. Are you putting down the graphic novels right now so you can... <laughs> I don't read comic books. Participation, graphic novels. novels. (laughs) Oh Lord, yes, yes. Who else do we have on here? Up next, we have uh, Veronica. Veronica, how are we? Hi, I'm doing good. How are you doing? How you doing, Mike? Doing fantastic. Thank you for asking. Right now, (laughs) great. And from Dread Central and Ghastly Grinning, we have Brian Kuiper. Brian, what's up? I am doing fantastic. It's so good to be here. You and rushed not home. Be talking you about home. the tribe. Huh? You rushed home, braved traffic, drove in and out, <laughs> weaved in and out like a crazy person mm-hmm. to get home in time to do this. I sure did. Yeah, it amazing. was almost as if you were playing Frogger to talk about the Frog Brothers. Oh, oh Jesus! Oh, do you like that? Oh, do you like that? Oh, you can cut geez. it. Oh. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's our show for the evening. Good night, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) At least least Brian didn't jump from a plane, you know, going to meet Johnny Trash for an interview. (laughs) Johnny (laughs) Trash. All right. I think we're just a little more excited to talk about this one than the show. Yeah, I was going to say, I I actually like this movie. Me Um, too. I enjoyed it. Um, So we're here to conclude our talk on the Lost Boys franchise tonight with 2010's uh, straight-to-video Lost Boys The Thirst. How can you not be excited for that? (laughs) I think after this tribe, uh, I'm excited for anything. I mean, (laughs) honest to God, like, anything would have to be a step up, right? I mean, like, The Thirst made Mandy look like fantastic stuff. Like, I would rather watch... The thing with that is that Mandy Uh, is fantastic. Mandy is fantastic. It's it's three against one, Mike. (laughs) Mandy is like, no, Mandy is a crime against humanity. (laughs) 
it's really one hundred percent. I really hope when they come out with Nick... a man. I really hope oh. they come out with a Mandy too, so we yeah. have to force Mike oh, to watch it. Same. Oh yes, when Nick yeah. Cage makes himself a Valerian steel like uh, a battle sword and snorts uh-huh. coke off it, like that's that's movie. <laughs> history uh-huh. that goes yeah. down with the horse head in the bed that goes down with you know play it against like that is that yeah. is history in the making yeah. i know mike i you just got to rewatch it i feel your enthusiasm right now but <laughs> so i'm gonna ask a quest brian what is your favorite dessert my favorite <laughs> dessert mm-hmm. uh, uh brownies i guess brownies okay so imagine you <laughs> are offered like the world's greatest brownie right imagine you're offered the world's greatest brownie okay okay but in order to do that what is your least favorite vegetable um i don't know uh kale kale okay in order to like get to your favorite dessert this amazing brownie this life-changing brownie right you have to eat like a crate full of kale basically i mean like Every time you think you're done with the kale, like the waiter comes by and he just throws another bucket of it on there, right? And it's just, you I mean, are... like, you're going to be shitting green for a week when you're done <laughs> this thing, right? I mean, it is awful, okay? okay, okay but Mike, you finish. Mike. You finally you finally get done. You go through all this kale. You're finally done, right? And they're like, all right, now you're going to get this life-changing brownie. And they bring out this massive plate. And on that massive plate, there is like a thumb-sized piece of brownie, like one bite of brownie. That is Mandy in a nutshell, okay? Oh. In order to get to all the craziness of Mandy, no. you have to sit through like so much boring shit. So oh, much fullness. No. Just the most like, you know, it's like the perfect cure for insomnia. So like the reward, <laughs> the reward does not meet, you know, the reward doesn't meet the chore that it takes to get through that first hour and 20 minutes of that movie. Okay, that, and that, is, that analogy was, was tough. Amazing. Okay. Well, Mike, Mike, you do realize who you're talking to. I know. Yeah, I know. I mean, <laughs> this is the guy who, okay. I give myself one cheat meal a week. Mm-hmm. This is the guy, you know, kale. I still have it, you know. I <laughs> that's part of it's part but of the deal. Does anybody you know? eat kale like kale? Everybody yes. make kale no. chips. Put them no. in the oven. Put butter on them. I love kale chips. <laughs> so you can eat all <laughs> the health. are delicious you know, with butter. After that, Mandy <laughs> rat. That's it. Okay. Okay. So basically, you, take like some it. kale. Take some kale. <laughs> Wrap it in a stick of butter and mow down, and you're like, but it's still kale. It's super <laughs> healthy. <laughs> well, Come this, on, people. This, that, wow. Sheeple right. wake up is basically – I feel like Christian Slater in, in Pump Up the Volume right gotcha. now. Okay. Only okay. one speaking the truth to the masses right now. Mm. <laughs> as long as you have that concrete one show up in oh, that sweet. song, that's good. Fantastic. Good. It's amazing. I love All Pump right. Up the Volume. Andy's All right. Great. Nobody wants to hear my voice anymore right now. So I am going to step back. And, you know, we usually don't do synopsises here in the show because you know, most of the movies we covered are pretty well known. They're pretty beloved overall. And if you haven't seen them, there's a pretty good chance at some point you mean to at this point. But I think with something like Lost Boys, the tribe, it's not something that shoots to the or the thirst, I should say. Lost Boys, the thirst. It doesn't shoot to the top of anyone's list. So, Veronica, can you do us the kindness of giving us a synopsis of what the thirst is all about? Yeah. 
Um, I guess, I guess I can probably, I can probably sum this up in, um, the thirst is if you remember what you loved about the lost boys and what you hated about the tribe, you kind of mash them together and and it becomes the thirst. Um, the lost boys, the thirst is Edgar, the original frog brother and his brother, Alan. And, um, I mean, I guess I can give away spoilers because no one's actually going to watch this movie. Alan is a half vampire and Edgar is trying to, Edgar gets recruited by this. Listen, I'm not good at telling summaries, but I'm just okay. going to tell the Veronica style summary. There's absolutely no pressure on you at Edgar all. Edgar gets Nothing recruited this. by this Stephanie Meyer woman who comes in and writes these Twilight books and says, you have to save my brother. And he's like, no, but then he says, yes. And they go and save him. And that's how it works. And there's some twists and turns all over the place. And um, I have to tell you, uh, I don't think I loved this movie as much as you guys mm-hmm. liked this movie. Um, but I do appreciate uh, the callbacks to the original in mm-hmm. this movie. Whereas The Tribe was a disgrace, this was an homage. So Okay. Yeah, and I think, we, you know, there's... A lot going on over over all of it. That was, you know, thank you very much. I think like you you get to see uh, the fro- oh god now I can't remember. It's not Edgar. It's the other frog brother, Alan. Alan uh, turned into a half vampire after he rescues a congressman from a vampiric senator, which in a really fun opening scene. Um, and you get like the world's biggest rave because you know 2010. How can you not have a rave? Yeah, only that... ten years behind the time. So. Yeah, so that's what confused me about this movie was I wasn't sure if it was supposed to take place in 2010. It had a lot of references that showed it was filmed in 2010, but like the phone usage and the talk of the raves and um, it just it felt very 1994 heavy mm-hmm. to me. Yeah, I I think so too. Uh, I think after the tribe. I think that they were like the people making it were probably like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's not try to make sense <laughs> because the tribe just screwed any chances we have with this franchise. Let's at least make a movie that's fun again. That feels it's, I mean, it will never be the first film, you know, uh, going into it. You have to expect that. But at the same time, I loved like those callbacks you were talking about. I mean, the, the comic book that Sam read is in it, you know, the, uh-huh. the, the Superman comic that Sam first talked about the Frog Brothers with is actually, you know, a little like subplot in it. Like it's there's the weird thing about the thirst is there's actually some really endearing moments in it. Yeah, and I think that it's summed up perfectly from the words uh, uh, of Corey Feldman himself. This is and I've been sitting on this one all day because it made me Great. laugh so hard. This is what Corey Feldman had to say about the thirst and straight from his mouth wait until you see lb3 then you will know the depths that my art has mirrored my personal strife and how they resurface as one i embraced this character with body and soul and brought a human side to the frog character that no one could ever see coming i'm proud of my work and i believe you will be too way to go all right Corey. And that you know, kind of, that's like that's so tender, but at the same time, I can see that he really meant it in that in that movie. He really brought something to that movie that I think that he's really proud of. Well, I mean, there's course correction, definitely. You know, because yeah. the the Edgar that we saw in the tribe 
I, like it doesn't even feel like the same character as the original. Whereas this one, it does seem like the Edgar Frog that we met in the first film, right. just a more weathered and beaten down. I mean, there's little throwaway lines that are that like when oh, he speaks yeah. about how Michael and Star won't talk to him anymore, mm-hmm. or that he had to kill Sam, which is such a huge moment, you know. Right. Like, like there are quite a few scenes in this movie that like I think were really well done. I, I think sometimes they're kind of outweighed by like the really ridiculous shit, like vampires jumping out of a plane to meet like the Lost Boys equivalent to Perez Hilton. You know, <laughs> we, we get we get my favorite line in the whole movie. You know, with the hipster guy, like uh, I don't read comic books, I read graphic novels. Like, there's so much to love about this movie, but at the same time, it's kind of like that kid. Every parent has a kid that they love them, but you kind of want to like smother them to death every once in a while. Right, the bless your heart kid, right? Like, you know what? I love you, but and and you try so hard, but I'll never love you as much as your sister. (laughs) Everyone has that kid. Yeah, I, you know, like I I really enjoyed this movie overall. Like, I really had a lot of fun with it, and it's a cheesy directed video. Like, the CGI in this is you know not good. Uh, It's not, but it's one of those things. I think you can look past, but I think. The biggest thing that jumped out to me is rather than be a movie where you had a script and said, we're going to, you know, force a Lost Boys story into it with some of the characters that you know, but it's not really a Lost Boys movie. This was written to be a Lost Boys movie. Uh, And it puts the focus on, you know, Edgar Frog. It has callbacks to the original. It feels like a, there's a lot more effort. Like everybody seems to be trying a little bit harder in this movie. And I think that goes a long way. Um, you know, what jumped out to me is like the, the first scene in uh, in California, The first, when you know you're on the beachside town. The first thing you do is you see people surfing. It's a little insert shot for like five seconds of just people surfing. And I'm like, there is already more surfing in this movie <laughs> than there was a, in the movie about goddamn surfing vampires. You know, already that people is. are trying harder. I think that's and this is kind of speaking on how this is both a Lost Boys film and like uh, Veronica said, a sequel to the tribe. Unfortunately, uh, Evan Charnov wrote the majority of this movie, and I think that what he wrote is the stuff that we really enjoyed about it. But the other person who took a stab at the script initially was the writer of the tribe. Mm. Oh. So what you get is you get a cross between a movie that is trying so hard to be a character-driven sequel to The Lost Boys, but you also get the shit like The Rave, you know, the the jumping out of a plane shit and stuff like that that feels like it was written by the guy who wrote The Tribe. And I feel like if they had just used uh, Evan Charnov, I feel like the movie would have been even closer to what everybody had wanted, which is really weird because... The Tribe was very successful on home video, and everyone hated The Thirst, which is so odd to me because it's a lot of fun. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. I don't get it. I really don't get how people would hate this movie more than The Tribe. It doesn't make any sense. Unless people really love incest, which... <laughs> I mean, there's there's some of that here, too, though, man. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's a theme. <laughs> Wait, where's yes. the incest in this movie? I mean, okay, well, it's not it's not technically incest, but um whatever her name is was I looking love that. for That's her. That's the story of my sex tape, by the way. It's not technically <laughs> incest. <laughs> 
It was uh, Gwen, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 Gwen. Um, they were trying to save her quote-unquote brother, but it wasn't her brother. It was the... No, it was, it was a ruse. It was, it was all yeah, a ruse. Sure, it was a you ruse, know. but they still took on the, the fact that it was a brother and a sister again. Well, it's it's kind of like the opposite effect of old boy. You know, the, the whole movie, you're like, oh, and then the end, you're like, shit. Oh. <laughs> this movie, most of the movie, you're like, shit. And then at the end, you're like, oh, they weren't brother and sister. Okay, I don't feel so bad anymore. Honestly, Corey Feldman's reaction is so, you know that he says these things to make himself laugh, but when he just goes in his gruff, like, ew, it was good. Mm -hmm. It was funny. I laughed and I laughed more than I thought I would at a lot of his delivery in this. I think my favorite line from him was, your bow dice rippers. He said bow dice. Bow dice. Yeah. I wrote that down too. Yeah, I wrote that one down and, and. There's nothing sexy about being a vampire. (laughs) Also, when he picks up a promise ring and automatically associates it with virgins, and he says that virgins are vampire Vampire filet mignon. I laugh. I mean, that to me was funny. The whole concept was funny. (laughs) I was was having a a conversation yesterday with someone about Corey Feldman, actually. (laughs) 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 It ended up being like a long conversation. I think it was... Uh, it was William Butler from uh, from uh, Texas Chainsaw 3. Mm-hmm. He and I were talking about Corey Feldman just in general. And we both said that, like, like, he's made so many weird decisions in the last, like, decade or so. But, like, wouldn't it be great to see someone give him, like, a really good shot again? Like, mm-hmm. something like like something along the same lines of, like, The Wrestler or a movie you wouldn't expect from Corey Feldman. Like, give him, like, yeah. a good... Because I feel like... I we... mean... He's so, like, encompassed with that, you know, Ascension Millennium bullshit and the Corey's Angels and all that stuff that I think a lot of times we forget that, I mean... How good he was. God damn, you know? like He was good. I mean, they've done it with, uh, who, like, Ethan Embry and Stephen Dorff. Like, yeah. people are giving, yeah, yeah like, in indie movies. Like, I would love to see, I don't know, like, uh, Cheap Thrills with, with Corey Feldman. Like, how fun would that be? No, totally. I would love right. to see that. Yeah, watching Ethan Embry have that ascent with Cheap Thrills and then uh, The Devil's Candy, you're like, I learned, you know, two things. A, Ethan Embry is incredible still, and B, I would absolutely not mess with Ethan Embry (laughs) under any circumstances. But you go back, you watch, you know, Friday the 13th, the final chapter, Gremlins, uh, Goonies, Stand By Me, all, you know, the original... The original Lost Boys movie, and you have a kid, you know, a young actor that is really like gonna break out, and then he just does a lot of teeny bopper stuff, and then other things happen that just kind of push him down this path. And I think you're right. I think like a, there's no reason he couldn't be like a great character, get like a, a character actor turn in a Tarantino movie, and then like p- mm. people remember like, oh yeah, like this guy still has it. No, totally. Like, I was never growing, and I'll probably get, like, a lot of shit from our listeners for saying this, but growing up, I was never, like, massive on the Goonies. Like, mm-hmm. that wasn't my story, you know? I was more of a Monster Squad kid. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's that one scene in the Goonies where Corey Feldman kind of gives that monologue about his dream. And I think that, yeah. dude, like, that. and w- when I was having that conversation recently, uh, the other person was like, well, I don't know if he still has it. I'm sorry, but dude, like, there, I don't think you lose that shit. You know what I, I don't mean? Think that like, goes away. There no. is such talent in that monologue in the Goonies 
that fuck man i would kill to see him cast in, a, in another good movie mm-hmm. oh yeah you know and it's it's it sucks because everything that he gets associated with gets like turned into like a punchline you know and it's just it's yeah. too bad it's really too bad um i mean it is like goonies 2 was announced but wasn't that announced in like 2004 at this yeah. point and that's just never gonna happen it's kind of like the next uh, 28 Days Later movie. Like, okay, mm-hmm. get it. You know, it's going to happen like, this year. It's not going to happen. Well, you don't have to do, like, 28 years later, actually 28 years 28 later. Years. <laughs> so, which would be incredible if they had that dedication, like, if they did that. but The boyhood dedication in the zombie movie. Oh, like... my goodness. You don't have to do that. So I also think that, like, bringing back Jameson Newlander for this movie as Alan Frog was such a good yes. touch. Those guys have, like, such great chemistry. Mm-hmm. And I know that he went on to start... Uh, be the creator of uh, Wiki Soap, which what? if what you guys that? don't know what it is, it's basically a soap opera completely generated by its users. Oh. It's pretty fucking lame, but I just thought I'd throw that out there. I don't understand it. I don't understand this concept. So like, it's like a fanfic this? where they have... Is, they create is it... their own soap opera. Okay. With like a whole universe. Yes, Alan Frog created that. <laughs> okay. And that's what he was doing with this time. So I'm I'm really happy that he came back because seeing those characters together, I mean, I you know, I had such a bad taste from the tribe, but watching The Thirst, it's not a spectacular movie, but it's fun. Yeah. And it there's that chemistry between those two guys that really just shines in this one. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's that first, you know, and Jerry, you had said, like, guys, trust me, the first five minutes of this movie is far better than anything, you know, you'll see in in the in the tribe. And you were right, like that opening scene where they're uh, fighting the bat, you know, the vampire senator is so much fun. It's just goofy and silly and a lot of fun. Um, And I'm like, all right, I think I'm on board for this movie at this point. Like, I think I can do this. Um, and there was some like really bad stuff in it. Like there's the reality, there's like the Bear Grylls uh, or paranormal <laughs> hunter type character. Oh, Lars von Trier. No, Lars von <laughs> Lars von Trier in this movie would be amazing. <laughs> would that be great? If we could get like, if we get Werner Horzog in Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> and all the music is sung by Bjork. Like <laughs> apparently. I was because like the man we're, we are late to the game on Mandalorian, but oh. it's now we're watching it every night at dinner. It's like our my wife is really into it, and she's not usually a star. Like our pillow talk. Well, it's now, Baby Yoda. Yeah, our post. I mean, she makes me call her Baby Yoda. Cute. This, <laughs> all right. Um, that's great. But anyway, she. <laughs> I, I read this thing today where like Werner Herzog like really fell in love with Baby Yoda. <laughs> yes. with, like tr- he's like trying to direct it on set, not realizing that it's a puppet. Uh, he, he was like he cried when he first saw it. Yes. He was and they moved were, to tears. Yeah. And they were gonna like CGI Baby Yoda, and he <laughs> called them cowards, which is amazing. He's like, keep it a puppet, you cowards. <laughs> So they did because when Herzog tells you to do something, you do it. I get the biggest kick out of this man. I watch that clip of him getting shot at least once a month. 
Wait a minute, what? He's just, I'm sorry, you don't know about him giving an interview in the middle of an interview he shot with like a pellet yeah. gun? He no, says, I thought this I, was Mandalorian. I, it, I'm like, no, he says like, it appears that I've been shot and then keeps going on with the interview. No, this is a life spoiler right now, okay. not a Mandalorian spoiler. <laughs> Oh, do we lose no, he's Brian? wonderful. Brian, no, like, I'm still here. I'm still here. I, I mean, okay. Werner Herzog is kind of a hero of mine. Yeah, I can't, I can't say too much about him because I may or may not be writing a piece about him right now. <gasps> then you know, give some deets. Okay, yeah. so I have a, I have a piece that's, um, I'm going to be talking a little bit about his Nosferatu. Oh um, yes, it's coming up, and uh, it's coming up next month so uh but yeah oh my gosh i had so many wonderful quotes from him but his quotes are so long and so like bizarre <laughs> and amazing oh i yeah yeah i i i adore werner herzog oh, yeah uh, yeah and i haven't seen the mandalorian yet because i don't oh. have disney plus yet because i'm it's it's like i don't have kids but i have three uh, so I, I don't know, um, but yeah, we're 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 planning on getting it. So I'm looking forward to to watching the Mandalorian finally, just so I can hear uh, Werner Herzog speak. Because it's really just worth it for that. Yeah, <laughs> I imagine it has so, to be. And he had a great cameo in this movie as well, I believe. <laughs> I believe he was the young raver. I believe yes. Werner Herzog. At, there was, at the rave with some glow sticks getting you know, down. I saw, I saw this uh, skinny puppy. I, I don't know if you've, this is off topic, but you know, that's how, we, that's how we roll here on the pod and the pendulum. <laughs> um, uh, it's um, Werner Herzog as Laffy Taffy joke writer. Oh yeah. I've seen <laughs> that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Google that folks. Cause it's hilarious, but you gotta listen. You gotta, you gotta imagine it in his voice. It's like, why does the cow moo to break the horrible silence that is existence? <laughs> it's, it's, it's beautiful. It is, yeah, fantastic. <laughs> I think uh, that... I don't do uh, a very good Werner Herzog impression. Oh, sorry. you know, it was good enough for me, Brian. It was really I, good. I think, Thank like, you. one of the things about the uh, thirst that I find incredibly hard to believe, it's not the vampires jumping out of a plane... It's not. Uh, <laughs> Could you give us some context? I think we've said this a few times now, and I think people are like. Can you, can there's you give a us sequence some where like vampires are basically like flying in a plane, and they need to go meet this Perez Hilton like tabloid reporter who is covering mm-hmm. the rave, and his whole existence in the movie is just to cover a rave so they can kill him off. Like, why don't they just pay a publicist? Like it's fucking $45, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll block it to email people. But anyways, they, they jump out of this plane just to meet this reporter and then they just kill him. It's pointless. But more than that, the thing I cannot, you know, I'm all about suspending disbelief. The thing I cannot buy is that Corey Feldman visits the grave of Sam and he leaves Batman number 14. <laughs> That is bullshit. As a comic lover, <laughs> noise. Like, I think it's more traumatic than watching the tribe again. <laughs> Tell me where that cemetery is. 
You well, know, I, I have a scene that I really did like in this movie a lot. It's probably my favorite scene in the whole movie. That it, the one that stood out to me the most was the homage to Unforgiven. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Where he's he goes out there and he he's he's trying to shoot uh, something and and he keeps missing it. So he goes and he gets the big water pistol thing and just blows it away, just mm. just like uh, Clint Eastwood. You know he he you know hasn't picked up his his gun in you know twenty years and he keeps missing the bottles. So he pulls out the shotgun and shoots it. So yeah, homage to Unforgiven in the thirst. Oh, man. This whole movie's gold. Even my issues with it. <laughs> you know, it's a fun bad movie. It it's is. you know a good you know, bad movie. I came into this not loving it, but you guys are just selling yeah. me on it. Like you know, I'm finding it more and more endearing the more y'all talk about it. So okay. what else are you gonna hear Cory Feldman say? It's time for Mr. Frog's wild ride. and all of the groans like even when Lars von whatever picks him up for a hug you just hear that guttural well my my favorite line my favorite line from him was it turns holy water into the holy slaughter slaughter (laughs) there's so many (laughs) I'm actually scanning the book why didn't we have (laughs) Why didn't we have, I mean, I know they had the squirt guns in the first movie, but super soakers, holy water super soakers. Why why was not this a thing earlier? But you have like these, um, like grenade launching holy water bombs in this movie, which are, which he's a terrible shot. Like you're really looking forward to seeing these things, you know, kick some ass and he just keeps missing. It's like a very matrix again, like 10 years behind the time, but like a very matrix, like (laughs) slow motion scene. And he just like misses and gets like stabbed at that point. Very. Yeah, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I'm this nothing important. Oh, neither is mine. I'll just talk about it. But But the very end, right, where um, it's it feels both lazy and brilliant, where he blesses the water that's already (laughs) on the vampire. I I just I had to rewind it because I was like, wait, what happened? So my husband and I rewound it, and as we watched it, my husband is narrating. He's like, he just blessed the water that was already on him, and my jaw just starts dropping. <laughs> See, what's really sad is when that happened. I was like, oh yeah, in the tribe, he mentions he became an ordained minister, that's and right. that's why he could do that. <laughs> and then I'm like, holy crap! I you just referenced the tribe in order to. <laughs> uh... Well, there, I mean, there are a couple references to that movie. I mean, they they name drop the city, uh, I think, once or twice mm-hmm. in this one. The the that by and large, it ignores it. By and large, it ignores. Totally. I mean, that so was if, an active thing. Like Corey Feldman, like he went on record, like when they were about to make it, saying that he really felt he let that the whole team let the fans down with mm-hmm. with the the tribe, uh, mostly because they did. Uh, but <laughs> I mean, this was definitely course correction, you know, and and. I think all those really good one-liners from the first film, I mean, I love that they're in this one in spades. You know, like the tribe, it just felt so different, you know? And we get the Frog Brothers back this time, and they're the same Frog Brothers that are in over their head, but they're so arrogant that they don't realize it. You know, like you, you have Alan and Edgar basically like, you know, kissing their own asses, you know, like, we're awesome monster bashers. 
You know, it's like th- that's some bullshit that they would have said in the first movie. Mm-hmm. And like there's such a charm to it. And I think that's what I love about the movie. Like there's such a charm to this movie that like I I kind of hesitate to call it so bad it's good. I just think like kind of like Joyride 3, it's just a lot of fun. <laughs> Okay. I've never seen a Joyride movie. Oh, dude. Whoa. I haven't either. Yeah. Whoa. It's funny because the second and the third Joyride are like straight to video, like splatter movies. And I remember uh, I was working for Fangoria at the time and I went to help with the screening of Joyride 3. It was like the premiere in LA. And so I drove like two hours to help uh, Rebecca McKendry with the screening. We set up, we handed out like gore zones and fangorious to everyone and nobody from the fucking movie showed up (laughs) (laughs) nobody from the movie showed up Uh, i think there was maybe 12 people in the whole theater like it was so bad that like even like becca mckendry left before the movie started so i was just sitting in this couch in front of the movie watching joyride 3 (laughs) basically by myself and it, it ended up being one of my favorite movies, just because how ridiculous it is. I mean, it begins with these, with with the truck driver who kills people, basically tying these two meth head, this meth head couple, up to the 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 front of his rig with chains, and they have to fight over who gets the bag of meth without being pulled under the truck. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> so I'm just saying, Joyride Three and Lost Boys of Thirst, double feature. That would be. That would be something. <laughs> good does it not spring to mind. It wouldn't be good. <laughs> no matter. Oh. Right. We can all be thankful for that. Ah, uh, Mike. I just I don't I don't get the appeal of Mandy. I know I'm in the minority here. I know that I'm not going to turn this into a Mandy bashing show. I refuse to do it. I know I'm in the minority, and I'm tilting at windmills with my. No, you know, hatred of this movie. It's and it's really it comes from a bad place. We should be the ones in the minority because this it's a ridiculous movie. Um, it shouldn't be loved, but it it I mean it just I just feel like Nicolas Cage does the same thing over and over, and you know he did the same thing with Mom and Dad that that, earlier in the year, and Mom and Dad is so much better. It's so much I I I enjoy that movie so much. Oh, Mom and Dad is so fun. Where he's singing, what does he even sing as he's bashing up that pool table? Um, the farmer in the dell. Oh, the hokey pokey. Oh my god, he's so fun. He's so ridiculous. And who hasn't wanted to murder children? (laughs) (laughs) Just wait for Color Out of Space. Oh my god, that movie is a trip. Like, oh, so good, so good. Looking forward to it. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I don't know, like, I mean, we're kind of all over the map tonight, and I feel like we're 34 minutes in to the show, and I'm like, how much have we really talked about this movie? <laughs> you know, it's you know, it's one of those things where it's there, it's present. Um, but you know, I guess like if you were trying to sell somebody, you know, I guess you know. I'm going to have to edit this part out. I have no idea where I'm going with this right now. I am just like filling space with words Are right you talking now. About so. What would be said to try to sell this movie? Yeah, if you were, you know what? I don't even know. I See, really don't. I think I could take a stab at that because if I'm good at anything, it's selling movies as something better than what they actually are. I mean, I'm, I'm going to go watch Joyride 3 right now. So. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you should. 
No, but I remember a while back, uh, a friend of mine was talking about a movie Gladiator. And then uh, they were like, wait, that's not a Russell Crowe movie. I go, no, not that one. It's a different one. James Marshall from Twin Peaks. It's about a kind of underprivileged kid, you know, rising above adversity and stuff. And then someone was like, what the fuck? Like, it is not that complex. It's a movie about boxing. Uh, but no, when it comes to The Thirst, let me take a stab at it. It's a movie about growing old <laughs> and trying to... See, I, I failed already. I can't do it. It's it's a movie about killing vampires and going to raid. PJX, <laughs> uh, Johnny Trash. Uh, it, it, names it, it make feel- me feel like it was written by someone who was like the PA on Stigmata. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, who comes up with this stuff? Mm-hmm. It really feels like, like to me, every time something happens, something like, okay, so when they were not to not to beat a dead horse, but um, when they were jumping from that airplane and (laughs) (laughs) and cry little sister starts playing. Covered by Aiden once again, by the way, covered by Aiden. (laughs) I turn to my husband and I'm like, this is the epitome of Gen X right now. Like, this is what happens. Like, oh, when <laughs> I know, no, I am too. I am too. But, <laughs> but I just felt it so deeply. Like, you have, you have that song playing. You have like these vampires jumping, and it's just like 1986 is with us again, you guys. And it just, <laughs> the let go. And... I feel like the only song that's missing from this movie is Got You Where I Want You by The Flies. You know, like, should have been at some point you hear that little fucking guitar line that everyone tried to play when they first pick up the guitar. It's like, guys, it takes two seconds to play that shit. But, uh, you know, like, Flagpole Stitta should have been in this fucking movie. Like, that's a it, good it's song, a man. I will not have you besmirch the good name of Harvey Danger on, on the show. Flies, thank you. But, uh, you know, the part where the Hawaiian guy starts rapping in the middle of it, oh my god. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but flagpole sitters, it's a banger still to this day. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on. Oh, can I talk a little bit about oh. um Yes, the... of course you can. <laughs> <laughs> about the outfit choices, right? So you might want to rescind that yes, but um <sighs> I couldn't nail down, again, the 2010 look wasn't coming through in the outfit choices, whereas The Lost Boys was so very 80s. And then in this one, you know, he's putting on his little Rambo hat or whatever you call it. Um, It's a bandana. It's not a hat. But... (laughs) (laughs) But then you... (laughs) But then... Sorry. But then you also get, like, in the plane, right, with, like... um, all those those DJ people vampires. The woman is dressed like a slutty Amelia Earhart, and <laughs> I don't understand. So you mean way. Amelia Earhart then? <laughs> right, mm, baby. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't understand a lot of the. Um, I guess they're trying to just make vampires like punk, like they were back in the eighties, but it just didn't, I didn't get that vibe from this movie. And they also didn't modernize it either. So I was just, I was left feeling confused. Well, I, I just think that this movie is stuck in that kind of like edge, you know, the, the fashion choices of this movie are kind of stuck in that edge Lord, 
Yo. Well, yeah, because even um that girl at the end, mm-hmm. the werewolf who is dressed, I don't remember her name either. Um, I literally just watched this movie one hour ago, but I don't know her name. But she's the, the thin girl. I think it's who, Zoe um, is the character. Zoe. Zoe. It's Zoe. And um she's dressed like um I don't know, like a dress-up doll. Like she's wearing this little tiny, tiny little puffy skirt, and then she's also a werewolf. And it's um, it's in- it's interesting costuming, is all I'm saying. Well, she's kind of the manic pixie dream girl of this movie. Like she sure. has short hair. She can, you know, kind of fight. Um, like is like the cool girl who works in a comic book store and really knows her stuff. And store, you know, not a graphic novel store. Yes, of not course, the graphic yes. novel store. You know. I think she's like, why don't you go to Barnes and Noble, you know, and because right. because as we all know, like independent comic stores are like rolling in money and can send customers away. <laughs> don't sell graphic <laughs> novels like no, like no, uh, you know, I mean, like no indie comic store in 2010 would would have been like graphic novels. What are those uh, <laughs> stupid hipsters? Like, no, it's like, yes, yeah, see that giant wall behind you? Like all those displays? That's where they are. We'll take your money, please. 15 copies of Watchmen. And all oh, the Walking Dead. Yeah. yeah, they're all there. No, I think it's funny that in this movie, I mean, at least we didn't get Angus Sutherland. Oh, right. But we did. That is a plus. We did get Porteous Xanadu Steenkamp playing Johnny Trash. Sorry, can you repeat that name? (laughs) Porteous Xanadu Steenkamp as Johnny Trash. Perfect. Thank you. The whole whole phrase is good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, this movie. No, but mm -hmm. also, I mean... Corey Haim passed on being in this movie because with By the whole dying? No, 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 no. Passed on this movie. <laughs> he died after the movie. Well, <laughs> at, at the end, it's dedicated to him. No, but pre-production, pre-production, there was this movie. He passed on that because they were setting it up for a fourth movie. And that was where he wanted to come back in the fourth one. He wanted to set wow. it up. They ended up dying before it came out. The balls of Corey Haim. <laughs> <laughs> to think he'd be alive by a fourth mm-hmm. one. Is that what you're saying? Like... He's like, had so much going on at that point that he's like, you know what? Did <laughs> <laughs> like, I watch your meltdown about the tribe just to see pass on the thirst? <laughs> oh my God. I mean, just. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm losing it. I'm absolutely losing. Right, I gotta pull myself in here. But but a oh, like guys. the stones on him to be like you know like yeah I'm gonna pass up this paycheck. But okay. also like I am gonna bank like I am gonna roll the dice on this direct to video movie springboarding into a fourth movie, which is gonna be my vehicle for a big comeback. That is that is some poor decision making. You know, oh, who knows if Haim would have been in the movie maybe it would have been you know Corey Haim that said that you know he is really marrying himself with this work of art that he did like Feldman did it's possible oh man I mean like I really thought he was dead by the time <laughs> by the time well I guess he did die in post-production I guess yeah, I mean, the, so he, he died, he died in, in March. March of 2010 and the movie came out in October of yeah. 2010 all right you don't think that he died thinking he'd come back as a vampire and then like he was going full method and wanted to be oh my a... god <laughs> oh 
you know, possibly broken. I'm going to hell. <laughs> I'm a, I'm we'll a say hi to Corey person. down there. But... I'm a terrible person. Oh man. Sorry. Well, I just I just really sunk our show to new lows with that one. <laughs> no, I I think we did that a while back. I think yeah, don't worry about it. You're like, hey Veronica, you want to be on this show? And I'm like, all right. And then now mm-hmm. nobody yes. listens anymore. I'm so sorry about that. Wow. <laughs> I do think that the character of DJX. No, I have nothing. I just want to say that again. Oh man! See, <laughs> we're sitting here making jokes. DJ had a stupid name like that, kind of like they still do. I've never met a single DJ that had a really cool name, other than you know Elijah Woods MacBook, mm-hmm. which is I think the best DJ I've ever seen. Like that's my favorite thing about going Fantastic Fest. It's like being, you're really drunk and you're like, well, you know, what am I going to look for today? Elijah Wood showing up with his MacBook, you know, mm. like that's the highlight. But DJ X, yeah, yeah, rest in peace for that guy too. Oh wow! Oh, no, so I meant the so... character. I, I don't, I don't oh. know. If, <laughs> I don't know if Seb Castang died. <laughs> oh man! So one of the plot points of this movie, I think, one of the things it hinges on is the idea of like the alpha alpha vamp it does go back to the first movie's idea that if you kill the lead vampire all the kind of vampire halflings um go turn back into human and you know it adds a little bit to the movie overall because you have alan frog who's a half vampire uh in this movie and it's shown that like whatever happened happened years ago so he's gone however many years uh, as a half vampire at this point, and the idea is, if we kill DJ X, um, or what is it, Johnny Trash? If we, you know, kill Johnny Trash, then kill somebody, you know, if, if some vampire dies, like, you know, Alan's gonna go back to be human again, and it's a neat little twist when that doesn't happen, and you have like, oh man, I don't even remember the kid's name, Nick. I don't know who cares. Uh, the kind matter. of yeah. The, you know, cute little, you know, kind of like youngish vampire or youngish dude. Spoiler alert. He's actually the alpha vampire. So, mm-hmm. you know, I kind of like that move. Then you have the big showdown and whatnot. And it's kind of fun. It's a little bit different. And I like how skeptical uh, Alan is about the whole like alpha vampire thing, too. If I remember correctly, I mean, doesn't he like call it like a pyramid scheme at this point? Yes, yes. he calls it a pyramid scheme. Yeah. yeah. It, it, I, that's the thing about this movie. Like, it's silly as fuck, and it's it's dumb at v- so many points. But like, I think there's a lot of like heart to it, if if that makes sense and doesn't sound stupid. You know, I think the characters are very well written, as opposed to the tribe. You mm-hmm. know, like there there's silliness, but at the same time, I think there's also really good character arcs in this movie for the Frog Brothers. I mean, even Edgar. You know, like. Corey Feldman really does go for it. You know, there is a good character arc about mm-hmm. him kind of finally coming to terms with having to kill his best friend that, I mean, you know, he kind of swore to protect in the first movie. You know, he's been alienated by Michael, by Star, and all these people. You know, he kind of lost his brother. You know, this whole movie's about Edgar kind of coming to terms with that. And I mm-hmm. think it's really cool. Yeah. And I like that all those characters are actually acknowledged in this movie, even though Michael and Star aren't in the movie. I like that the first Lost Boy movie is actually acknowledged as opposed to like completely ignored in um, the tribe. 
it kind of it leaves it open if if they ever doing that in the movie it leaves it open to where if they ever had other sequels that we know that those characters still exist and are a thing you know mm-hmm. yeah i mean i i doubt that jason patrick's gonna come back for you know lost boys 24 but <laughs> well you never know man you just you never know at this point maybe, maybe we'll get angus sutherland back god please though Let's not do that. <laughs> oh, Mike's like man. edit the shit out of this episode. I don't know how we're gonna stitch together like an hour of this show to be Good luck, sir. You know, yeah. This almost feels like a mini episode at this point. So what I mean, how much more is there really to say about it? I mean it's 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 a fun movie, but I mean it's that's about all it is, you know. There's well, not... so after after the tribe kind of broke all of your hearts as Lost Boys fans, um, mm. what did you guys think of the thirst? Like as it was coming out in 2010, like was there even a big to do about it? Were people excited? Was there a lot of? I can uh, honestly say I never heard of this movie until I Googled Lost Boys Blu-ray on Amazon uh-huh. and said, "Huh, there's a three pack. There must be a third movie." <laughs> I was I was super uh, into the idea of another one just because I hated the tribe with a passion and I wanted to maybe have a little bit of faith in it, mm-hmm. you know. Like uh, I I remember around that time Blockbuster was doing that thing for a, like a certain fee. I think it was like fourteen or nineteen bucks. You could get like unlimited rentals. You know, you would right. take one mm-hmm. back whenever you get another one. And that's the only reason that I watched the thirst. You know, the tribe had sucked so bad. That it's like, you know what, free rental, might as well try it. And I was so impressed with how much of a step up it was. Uh, you know, I, it was almost a step up 3D for me, which is a great movie. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Uh, but no, like, I, I really enjoyed it. And I, I really think, I mean, I've been using course correction so much in this fucking episode, but to use it again, I feel like they really did that. It really shows that they took what the fans of the first film had to say about the second one and really tried to improve on it. And I think that, unfortunately, a lot of people felt burned by the second movie mm. that to where when it came time to watch the third, you know, they, they, they had checked out. They didn't want to do it. And I think that uh, it isn't strange to me that the tribe made more money because what did the tribe do? It just gave people a sequel to The Lost Boys. A right. lot of people that blindly without watching the movie so there's no chance in hell that they were going to be burned again so they didn't give the the thirst uh, a shot which they should have because it's really fun i mean that is the thing i think people sometimes forget about when a movie like a sequel to a long-running franchise doesn't do quite as well it's you you know for example i think um friday the 13th part six i think it may either made less or barely more money than friday the 13th part five it it made it made quite a bit less actually okay so it was because people felt so burned by part five exactly we don't have jason and all that other stuff it's the movie after i I like six a lot six i think was the first one i saw Mm -hmm. and so i was when i found out that movie wasn't a hit much later Mm -hmm. i was like Really? It's Stunned. Like one of my favorite right. ones. And I think most people would go back and say, like, yeah, part six, if it's not their favorite, it's mm-hmm. in their top three. Right. You know, but I think at the time, like people were like, eh, I'm not gonna get burned again. It's gonna be 
you know, the movie after it is what, you know, it's partly like with Star Wars right now. Like, you know, it's tough to say that a movie that just made a billion dollars is a quote unquote flop. But like the the uh, Rise of Skywalker, probably not doing quite as well as expected overall. But I think it's because people are just burned out on like you've had how many Star Wars movies in a few years. So it no longer feels like an event anymore. So yeah. people just kind of like third Lost Boy movie. You're like, eh, that's that's cool. You know what's unfortunate, and I, mean, I don't know how much of this I can say, uh, but I mean, I don't think he minds. A friend of mine wrote the script for the fourth movie, The Lost Boys, and he sent it to me, uh, I think 2016. I just remembered I had it today, and I, I re-downloaded it, but it is such a good continuation of The Thirst. And the script for the fourth one, which was going to be called Lost Boys Forever, which mm-hmm. is a really stupid title, but... <laughs> I mean, it brought back it brought back even the parents that were kind of sleeping in the corner of the first movie in the comic book store. Mm. Like there were so many like references, not in a silly Deadpool way, but references that actually made sense in it. And I mm-hmm. I remember uh, uh, my my buddy uh, Robert that wrote it. I mean, he took it to uh, uh, Corey Feldman. Corey Feldman liked the script. Uh, Vincent Guastini, a really good special effects artist, really championed it, wanted to get made. But when it came time to like bring it to the studio and pitch the whole thing, like they were just so done with the series because of how little the thirst was watched. Like it really killed the franchise. Uh, people not seeing it, and right. I mean it's only recently. I mean, the you know the the talks of the TV show, and I don't even know if that's still a thing. But I mean, that's what I wanted to talk about next. Absolutely, yep. So the. Just doing a quick little search here. Look, you know, as of July of last year, there's been talk of the Lost Boys pilot. But you actually have, and it's this is something like I think for like over a, ten years, like it's always like Lost Boys is going to come back as a TV show. Like originally, I think before it went to be direct to video movies, there was talk of actually doing a television show. Um, but now you actually have a little bit of clout behind this show. Like it's not a bunch of nobody's doing it. You have, like, Scandals. Heather Mitchell is going to be the showrunner of it. Um, and it's creatively driven by Rob Thomas, uh, who is behind Veronica Mars and iZombie. Um, so is Veronica Mars is... Too? He, no, <laughs> you can go to hell, good sir. Um, no, but what's funny is, like, actually in season two of iZombie, uh, you know, Rob Thomas, the singer appears in the show at a big um corporate gathering and he gets turned into a zombie but the joke through the whole show is like the brilliance of rob thomas like he's a creative genius and just like the songbird of a generation so because it's the namesake of it i don't know if you haven't watched i zombie i highly recommend it it's a brilliant brilliant five seasons of television overall um and by everyone's deafening silence, you're like, nope, we haven't watched that show. But Veronica <laughs> Mars is one of I, my favorite. I love Veronica Mars. Yeah, Veronica's one of my favorite things of all time. So yeah. you have people like behind it. Allegedly, the pilot was going to be directed by Twilight's Catherine Hardwick, which, mm-hmm. eh. uh, but you know, whatever. So we'll see if that actually becomes something at this point. But allegedly, like it's going to start filming this year for. Well, actually, I mean. 
did you read the article uh, from, I think, Slash Film, where it talked about how they passed on the, the pilot for The Lost Boys? So they fired oh. every actor except two of them and are completely redoing the whole show? Mm-hmm. Have not. Like, I, I don't even know if that's the most recent thing or, or you know, if they've went back on that, too. But, yeah, they don't even know what they're doing with the show at this point. Yeah. So, I mean, unfortunately, mm-hmm. I feel like the series is kind of dead in the mm-hmm. water at this point. The latest update is from July at this point, but, you know, if you get, like, you know, Rob Thomas involved, you have a guy that's had a couple successful shows involved, you have the woman behind Scandal involved in it, that I think that, you know, if it was dead, you would at least hear. Do you know what I mean? Like, there'd be like, nope, this is no longer coming out at this point, so. You know, what, as long as Rob and Santana say the, the final word, I'm, I'm there. Right. <laughs> but, you know, what's interesting is, like, how do you do this show as a... Because I just think you have to make the vampires the focus of the show. Mm-hmm. At that point, is, I think that's a less interesting way to go overall. Like what I really like about these movies, you know, the first movie, uh, you know, really like about the focus isn't really on David and his crew. Like they're there, they're the danger, but the focus is really on Sam and Michael overall, and them trying to kind of navigate this really weird world overall. I think right, and we've already oh. sort of had that with Buffy. You know what I mean? Like, we've already had that as a series, so it's kind of hard to just reimagine it again. Mm-hmm. I also think they might go the route, and this is the route that I, I would expect them to go, unfortunately, is the route of Bates Motel, uh, yeah. where Bates Motel, what it ended up becoming is a show less about Norman Bates' story and kind of, like, what's going on in that whole town, mm-hmm. you know? And I feel like... Because of things like the iconic line from the grandfather in the first movie, you know, all the damn vampires, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm sure there's plenty more to where almost it could be like an anthology like show, but with, you know, recurring characters almost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Castle Rock, but set in Santa Clara. Yes. Right. At that point. <laughs> So, Corey. I mean, what do you, what's the overall, like, we're wrapping up this series at this point, and we're moving onward. What is the legacy of The Lost Boys? Any of you guys want to go on this one? Okay, um, I'll, I'll go No, I was just say, when you say The Lost Boys, I think the first thing that pops up is nostalgia. You know, we have mm-hmm. a... And I hate to use the word iconic because I really don't like the word much. But you do have a film that is that for so many people. The Lost Boys is one of, if not the most iconic vampire movie for people that grew up in the 80s. You know, it, it was it was the complete it was a completely perfect stew of ingredients. You had horror, you had comedy, you had gore, you had just great performances great writing great themes that a lot of us didn't pick up on the time but you know as we got older we really appreciated them it was a movie that i think had things to say but could also be experienced and loved at face value and i think that it stands the test of time i think the lost voice is just as great now as it ever was and i think what the series ended up being is a series that tried so hard over the course of two sequels to recapture what we all loved in the first film, but ultimately felt. I mean, the third film's fun, but it's not, I mean, it's not Joel Schumacher's movie. You right. know, just like mm-hmm. a lot of people could say that, you know, Halloween Resurrection isn't John Carpenter's Halloween. Uh, so it's a natural evolution, I think, and it's an unfortunate one at times, but I do think The Lost Boys as a series 
should be embraced or at least experienced as a whole. Yeah, I would agree with that. I want to hear, I would like to hear from the rest of the panel first. Though. Oh, me too. Well, I'm struck by how, um, how influential it is over pretty much everything that came afterwards. I would, I've been, you know, since you asked that question on the first episode and I sort of fumbled through my answer, I've been thinking about, you know, how has this movie, um, especially the first one, let's face it, only the first one has, has influenced, um, other vampire films and you clearly see the influence in um well like i said before you know from dust till dawn but also if you think like blade and um Mm. uh underworld you know you have sort of this um sort of modernity to to the vampire that you know was fairly new um what's interesting you know the same year as the Lost Boys, we had uh, Catherine Bigelow's uh, Near Dark, mm-hmm. which I think is a pretty amazing movie in its own right. But that one didn't hit the same way this one did. It didn't strike the chord at the time the way this one did. And I, I don't know exactly why that was, but um, this one has, you know, it, its tendrils just reach out to everything that came afterwards uh, in a pretty amazing way and uh it's a it's a great movie and i like it more now than i did uh as when i was younger frankly i think there's just more to it i just saw it back in the day as just sort of oh it's a vampire movie whereas now i see it as something that's a lot more than that and it's really fascinating movie too as well as being very fun yeah brian i agree with you in that i i appreciate it now more than i did back then because I I just shunned it in in the 80s and 90s it was not for me and I didn't want to watch it like I'll watch you know Labyrinth on repeat but I'm not going to watch The Lost Boys and I think rewatching it now and just um I guess seeing it for what it was in the 80s and how much bigger it could have been to audiences that were not me um it's a really important movie for you know people coming of age at that time in their lives. And I think that it's a much bigger movie than just a silly, fun vampire movie, which of course it totally is. But um, then you look at the sequels and I mean, they're all right. They're, <laughs> you know, the, the second one was not, was, was, you know, we, we can just skip that. And this last one, this, the thirst is okay. I mean, it's a fun ride. It's fun to watch the frog brothers come together again. Um, I think if I were a bigger fan of the movie in the eighties, I think watching them together in 2010, if I had been uh, the audience for it in 2010, it, it really would have, it brought joy to my life and even now just thinking about it and thinking about how much I actually did enjoy this movie and how much I laughed at Corey Feldman's quips and um just some of the one-liners it was um it was really enjoyable and I think the Lost Boys is bigger than I gave it credit for yeah and I would say this is like a, a one and done series for me overall like the Tribe is unwatchable. The Thirst is a lot of fun. Actually, The Thirst is probably something I would, if I had a choice, put on over a couple other movies that we've covered so far uh, in in the 40 or so that we've covered. It's a lot of fun overall. But I I think you cannot overstate the importance of the first movie in terms of, like, really how it influenced Vampire 
pop culture down the road. Like it's, it really showed. It was one of the first movies I would say that MTV really kind of like drove the bus on and made like a really kind of really helped make that movie a hit. But then like down the road, you have these like Buffy the Vampire Slayer in Twilight. That look and feel of this movie, especially with Buffy, the television series, is all over the Lost Boys. And it's so much fun. And the performances are great across the board with it. And it's one of those movies that's not a kiddie movie. It's you can go back and watch that now and have a lot of fun with it. And it's not a movie that's made for little kids overall. So I really really love it overall and i'm glad we actually covered it here but i think it is time to put the lost boys to bed well before that though we got to remember something really important that the lost boys gave us and that is a youtube video of Corey feldman (laughs) singing singing you're welcome my little sister in leather pants with no shirt on and um, could someone uh, please send me that link (laughs) <laughs> I, I think I did actually. Yeah, and, you and, did. Yeah. Oh my god! That, I was I was just god. watching that uh, before we started recording, and and boy, I I I, I kind of want to get that Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind procedure done now. <laughs> right. But you know, <laughs> that... <laughs> bless his heart. He is trying. Yeah, he bless was, yeah. his heart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Really so quick, on, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, I was going to say, uh, unrelated, but really quickly, I want to get this in. There is a trailer that dropped today, and I, it is for a movie that I cannot vouch for enough to any listeners. Please make this movie be on your radar. It's called Guns Akimbo. Oh, I've heard of it. Search that movie out, watch that trailer, and be ready for one of the best fucking action movies of all time. And that's Daniel Radcliffe and oh, Samara I- Weaving, right? I watched oh. it last night. I watched it last night for work because I'm reviewing it for uh, Dread Central. Please, please make sure to watch that movie February 28th when it comes out. Like it comes out on I, my birthday. Oh, dude, this movie, I, it just blew me away how great it is. It is everything that people that grew up with: Commando, Rambo, Van Damme. It it's directed by the director of Deathgasm. So you kind of oh, know what Jesus. you're okay. you know what you're getting and, with this movie. Yeah. Daniel Radcliffe with guns bolted to his hands. <laughs> it is such a fun movie. Look it up. Question for the panel. Mm-hmm. More interesting post franchise career. Pattinson or Radcliffe? Pattinson. Oh. See, I I love I love the lighthouse. I I love good time. You know, uh, I th- I think Velocity of Zed, like he is oh, a great. fantastic actor. He is, he really is, but I also feel like he, at the same time, I feel like he's playing it safe now that he got out of Twilight. Like you know, I'm just gonna do these more like artsy movies, and I'm fine with them. I love them. The Lighthouse is one of my favorite movies last year, but Radcliffe, he is all over the board. I mean, mm-hmm. Horns, Imperium, you know, Swiss uh, Army Man, Swiss yeah, Army you're Man. Right. Will make you look at this guy in a completely different light. He's every online troll, you know, that responds to every single troll 
and you want to slap them upside the face five minutes into the movie. That's actually kind of true because if you take, like, especially if you look at the two Corys and you look at Daniel Radcliffe, he could have gone in a totally different direction mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. his being a child actor, and he's he's done so well for himself. I, you know what, you're right. It's a toss up between the well, two. I, mean, I, I, am think... a, I am definitely a huge fan of both of, of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I look at Radcliffe, a Swiss army man playing a farting corpse, basically. Um, jungle, uh, horns, you know, yeah. he's doing some incredibly fun and incredibly engaging work. And Radcliffe, you know, I, I really love the work that Radcliffe is is doing overall. And it's interesting, you, you know, Veronica, you just said, like, these guys could have gone in a completely different direction, you know, overall. And I think it speaks a little bit about the age you're in at this point. Yeah. Um, when you look at the 80s, everything was so excessive. Like, I am a pro wrestling fan. And my fandom comes and goes. Sometimes it's ridiculously charged. And right now, like, I can't be bothered to watch it. But I know, like, in the 80s and 90s, like, your pro wrestlers were basically, like, steroided up monsters that were snorting as much cocaine as you could humanly snort. Like when Hulk Hogan was saying like, you know, eat your vitamins. He was talking about <laughs> cocaine, basically <laughs> like vitamins were cocaine. Um, and now like you hear like, what do pro wrestlers do now? It's like, well, we go back to our hotel and play on our playstations, like, and have a protein shake. It's like such a different age. Like you have all these horror stories from the eighties. And I mean, look at poor, um, Oh God, Home Alone, dude! I can't now. I I oh, hate Macaulay Culkin. I mean, look, you know, you look at all these horror stories of like these kids that had everything, and now they're like fucked. Um, and it's oh, like he's so, all right though. He yeah, is not. I would say, but his Twitter game is a hundred percent on point. So good! Funny. I love when he trashes Devin Saw. Like I, <laughs> I just love the rivalry. He's fun to watch. Yeah. And those well, so, are the boys of my childhood. I didn't have the Corys, but I had like you know the five years later the Macaulays and the Devons. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, it's funny when uh, really quickly it's funny when we're we're talking about Radcliffe and Pattinson because I mean Daniel Radcliffe was Harry Potter, uh, Pattinson was obviously you know Edward from Twilight, and within the last few years we have Harry Potter as a farting corpse, and we sure. have Pattinson talking about fucking a steak. Fucking like, a steak. <laughs> The world that we live in, and I am here for it. And now he's Batman. <laughs> and now he's Batman. Yeah, now he's Batman. And I'm stoked for it. I think he's going to be brilliant in it. Like Wolverine. You know, what's that? I said, now give me Radcliffe as Wolverine. Oh, man. Oh, that would be fun. Do it, you cowards. Absolutely. <laughs> cowards. Do it. Um, <laughs> all right. So we're going to put the Lost Boys to bed. Veronica, what are we covering next? Oh, well, it seems like Poltergeist won, didn't it? It did. It won the uh, the poll. I, so. So I just ordered a bunch of Blu-rays. So. Guys, we're in for a treat. I mean, we all know Poltergeist, but yeah. I'm just really excited to chat about it because this Poltergeist was my foray into horror. It, it, it terrified me as a kid. I still have nightmares from, mm -hmm. from Poltergeist, so I'm really excited to cover this. Yeah, so... Mm -hmm. I was going to say on a on a on a whim I had bought the trilogy just a couple months ago so mm -hmm. which was very strange uh, to find out that that's what we're going to be covering next I hadn't watched those movies in 30 years because they scared <sighs> me so bad as a kid yeah and I'm talking yeah. about two and three in particular one I had seen a few times but two and three 
I, when I rewatched those, I was like, oh, I remember that. Oh, man. There are just, yeah. There are visceral scenes in all three of those movies where they just (laughs) haunt you. Like, there's just specific moments. And I, for me, this is, this is the big franchise. I just picked up, uh, Scream Factory did really nice special editions for part two and part three. Yeah. So I just had those delivered today. Um, I did not buy the first one on Blu-ray because wasn't a special edition, no yeah, weird bonus fair. features to it. Um, it was five bucks on Vudu in high def, so I just went the streaming route for it. And I'm surprised that like there's not a special edition for Poltergeist, which is yeah. routinely consistent. Time eh, at this point, though, I mean. Right. I mean, especially with all the controversy behind, I mean, we'll get into it next week, of course, but like right. Toby Hooper and Stephen, blah, blah, blah. but yeah, so I feel like there should have been, I wonder if maybe if because of the controversy, there is not. Yeah. I don't, know. I don't think that's it. I don't, yeah, I, oh, okay. I just, I don't, I don't think that's it. I just think MGM. Speaking, has, on, speaking right. on that really quick, uh, if any of you listeners uh, read Screen Magazine, the latest issue, uh, I have an interview with Oliver Robbins from Poltergeist talking about his experience making the movies. So excellent, check that out. So we'll dig into that next week. So excited! You know, definitely dig into that. So it, it again, it's another franchise. There are four movies in this series overall, but it's are the second and third. I guess the second one did moderately well overall, but you know, it's like really known for like the first movie yeah. overall. And I think it's it's a lesser Spielberg movie. I think it's a really good Toby Murphy motherfucker. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I think it's it's Lesser Spielberg. Um, Yeah, I watched it last night for the first time in like 30-something years, and I'm like, wow. Yeah. You know, but we'll see. You know, it's no Mandy, I guess. Right. All right. All right, everyone. uh, Listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Once again, we hope you enjoyed our coverage, <laughs> kind of sort of coverage on Lost Boys the Thirst. <laughs> we snuck in a few words here and there on it, I think, in this hour and change. Um, but you can rest find. In peace, Corey. Yes, rest in peace. Corey Haim, rest in peace, Johnny Trash. Rest in so, peace, DJ X. But you find us over at Pod and Pendulum overall. I tend to be the wise ass that gets in trouble. I guess I got. People who like the Joker got angry this week. <laughs> yeah, uh, people who like the Joker <laughs> like to get angry. That's their hobby. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I haven't What's seen that? the Joker. That seems to Listen, be the, uh, the, the things, I, that seems I, to be the theme of from Brian over here is I haven't seen that movie. So yeah. I am. Uh, I'm. But hey, going back to our first episode that we did together uh, with Veronica uh, is uh, I bought. Sinister, so I'm gonna watch Sinister, so I'll I'll be caught up there. Buy Sinister as well. Yeah, I I will. Hey, I love the hell out of the second movie. Yeah, sounds great. All All right, excellent. All right, everyone, have a great week. Another show is in the bag, and we'll talk to you guys all next week. All right. All right.